Well, good morning to each one. I too greet you in the name of Jesus. I appreciated the Sunday school lesson this morning and the discussion. And this sermon may be more of a continuation of the Sunday school lesson. And I'll tell you why. In our lesson in the last section, under love one another with a pure heart, we have the verse, 1 Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And today for a message, I want to continue in the study of the Beatitudes, and we are ready for the sixth Beatitude found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus is saying, blessed, happily blessed, supremely blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so this subject of a pure heart, we could go many different directions. And the Sunday school lesson, I believe, addressed the part of love in the brotherhood very well. And so we will not think so much about that today. But the word pure, as we find it in this beatitude, means to be clean, clear, transparent. The pure in heart are those who walk with integrity before God. This beatitude finds its Old Testament parallel in Psalm 24, and I'd like for you to turn there. I find it very interesting. Psalm 24, verse 3 through 6, we have uh, the Old Testament parallel, and our beatitude that we are looking at today is basically Psalm 24, 3 through 6 in a nutshell. And so verse 3, we have two questions. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4, we have the answer. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Verse 5, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And so this is old covenant language, and the question is, who is worthy to serve in God's temple? The answer is, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, or simply those who walk with integrity before God. Such a person, verse 5, shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And so the beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, is Psalm 24, 3 through 6, in a nutshell. Now the word heart, as we find it in this beatitude, is referring to the thoughts or the feelings of the mind. 
And we have this very definition in Genesis 6, verse 5, and it's there before the flood. And it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so the heart is the very center of your being. So the pure in heart are genuine and sincere in their relationship with God, and their hearts are clean before him. And so in this beatitude, Jesus is simply saying, blessed are the pure, the clean, the clear, the transparent, in the feeling and thoughts of the mind. Such people shall see God. And I want to look first at what the Bible says about an unclean heart. And I have four passages we will go to, and you're welcome to turn to these passages with me. I will read the four passages and then make some comments on them. But the first one is found in Psalm 51, verse 6. Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Psalm 20, I'm sorry, Proverbs 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 and 20. And these are the words of Jesus. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. And so when we come to this beatitude of blessed are the pure in heart, I believe we struggle at first because if we are poor in spirit and have recognized our sin and sinfulness, then we already know that we deal with an unclean heart. Our hearts are naturally unclean, but God requires a pure heart. As we just read in Psalm 51.6, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. And then Proverbs 20 verse 9 responded, Well, who can say, I have kept my heart pure? I am clean and without sin. Who can say that? Can you say it? 
Well, I know I sure can't. And then we have the words of Jesus. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And then we had the words in Jeremiah where it said the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure and who can understand it? You see, we have a problem here. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart and we have unclean hearts. And so how can we possibly share in this beatitude of blessing to the pure in heart? How can that happen? Or what needs to happen? Well, the answer is that only God can make and keep your heart pure. We don't change our own hearts. Only God can change your heart. And so I would like to think about the clean heart, the pure heart, and how that comes about. In Psalm 51, verse 10, we have the words of David, and he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You see, a pure heart is a new creation by God, not something that we can achieve on our own. King David fell into the sin of adultery. And this sin started out with David looking and lusting after a woman who was another man's wife. And as the story unfolded, it eventually led to adultery. It led to lying. It led to murder. And so Psalm 51 is David's prayer of confession for this sin. However, I also see this prayer as a prayer for future purity. Yes, David is praying for current cleansing, but he's also praying that going forward, God would renew a steadfast spirit within him. Now, think with me. In light of David's sin and how it unfolded, And to keep this sin from happening again. You know, David could have did many things. He could have built high walls all around his palace. He could have planted thick hedges. He could have painted out the windows and made them dark. So it would be impossible to see out, to see anything bad. He could have even appointed himself an accountability partner to check up on him, you know, to see how he's doing. But you see, David knew, and we know, that no fence is high enough, no hedge is thick enough, no windows are dark enough, no accountability person is good enough to keep a heart that is not pure from doing evil. 
And so David rightly prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I, <clears throat> I would believe that purity is a lifetime process. You see, we don't get pure and then we're done. We, we don't just say one day, well, I'm, I'm now 100% pure. I have arrived. I got it. Because, as we well know, in any given day, we may need to deal with the issues of the heart. The things Jesus talked about, the evil thoughts, the murderers, the adulteries, the fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, these issues of the heart, these issues that begin within our heart. And so we too must pray like David, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We need to pray that daily. We need to pray that as we go throughout the day, as we face those nasty issues of the heart. Now, in case you're wondering, I'm all for having safeguards and I'm all for having accountability in life. But you need to want that for yourself. You need to want it for yourself. If it is forced on you and in your heart you don't want it, it is useless. You've got to want safeguards and you've got to want accountability for yourself. That's something you want. That's something you desire. And I'm thinking more as you enter your older teens and go through life. You know, there's some, when you're, we all understand, children and young youth, that's different. But as you mature and become on your own, you got to want accountability. you got to want safeguards. It's part of keeping yourself pure. We'll talk about that some more later. So how does God create in me a clean heart? How does he make our hearts pure? Well, let's look at some references on that. Let's turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts 15, verse 6 through 9. We have a passage here. This, this account is early church getting started. And they had their difficulties. They had to love one another. But some were saying to the new Gentile believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so there was this big dispute. But in verse 6, now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when they, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. 
and made no distinctions between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. There we got it. You see, when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, God begins purifying the heart, that new creation. He forgives you of your sins. He removes the old heart of stone. And then he gives us a new heart to follow him. Galatians 5.15 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's turn over to Titus chapter 3. I'd like to read verse 3 through 5. Again, how does God clean up the heart? How does he purify the heart? How does this come about? Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Note verse 5, washing of regeneration. If my study is correct, the word regeneration means the spiritual rebirth, the spiritual renovation, the spiritual restoration. And, it, and let me point out, not the covering of regeneration, but the washing of regeneration. Not covered, but washed. You know, washing is superior to covering. I've talked about that before. Let's not forget that. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The renewing of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is grace that enables us to live a regenerated life. The Holy Spirit is now our leader. He will guide us into truth. Well, let's consider now the blessing promised. And the blessing that is promised is simply see God. See God. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And I find it interesting as I study this message how purity and holiness and peace kept coming up together in the same passages. I just found that interesting. And so what is the promised blessing for those who are pure in heart? What is this seeing God? What is this blessing? 
Well, there are many beautiful things to see in the world. We think of a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset. We think of the beauty of a newborn baby. And I'm talking about one that's a few days old, not a few hours old. <laughs> and yet, these are only reflections of God's glory as seen in his creation. But to see God's glory itself, this is a beauty beyond anything we have ever known or experienced. It is what you and I were created for. The psalmist writes in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And I would believe within the heart of every person is a deep longing to see God in all his glory and to gaze upon his beauty. I believe that's within each one of us. But to see it, we need to be pure in heart. Because like it says in Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Which simply means that without Jesus in our hearts, no one will see God. Without Jesus, none of us are holy. It is Jesus who makes you holy so that you may one day see God. I believe there is one sense in which this promise is ours to claim now. I'm talking about today. Yes, we may not see God with our physical eyes, but the pure in heart are near God in the present. The pure truly see God in the beauty of creation. The sunrise, the sunset, the beauty moves the heart. They see God within it. Psalm 73, verse 28 says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. We see God spiritually as we draw near to him through Jesus. It is good to be near God. That's part of the blessing promised in this beatitude. And also face-to-face -face in the future. Not only the blessing of drawing near to God in the present, but one day we will see him face-to-face. -face. We will actually behold him with our physical eyes. Psalm 17, verse 15 says, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. You can turn to 1 John 3. I'd like to read 1 through 3. Here in this passage, we have a picture of the future meeting God face to face and how that may be and what our response should be because of that meeting. 1 John 3, verse 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us 
that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we shall know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's go to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. It describes our great meeting with God in heaven and says the servants of God and of the Lamb will see his face. Let's read the first four verses of Revelation 22, 1 through 4. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees tree were for the healing of the nations, and there were no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. What a day that will be. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, the second part of my message today is to encourage us as we strive to walk with integrity before God. And sure, I will be bringing in bits and pieces of the Beatitudes as we go through this next part. But it's more a focus on encouragement to walk with integrity before God. Now, as you know, there are some things about myself that I can't hide from you. The color of my hair, the length and shape of my nose, the sound of my voice, these outward things, (laughs) I, I can't hide from others. It's obvious. However, the feelings and thoughts of the mind are not as easily known. You know, often by observing body language, we can tell if a person is happy, if they're sad or angry, but it's only when they speak, it's only when they begin to talk that we really know what they are thinking and feeling. And so the feelings and thoughts of the heart are very personal. Only you know your heart. Only you know the feelings and thoughts of your mind. And just looking out over you all today, just sitting there so nicely in your Sunday best, it's just hard to imagine that any of you would be anything but pure in heart. I mean, we are in church. We are dressed up. 
It is the day the Lord hath made. It's hard to imagine that we could be anything else but clean and pure. But only you know and I know what is happening in the heart. We are in a spiritual battle. There is a battle raging for the heart. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Folks, there is a spiritual battle raging for the purity of the heart. There's a spiritual battle raging for the thoughts and the feelings of the mind. You see, Satan doesn't want you to see God. He doesn't want you to see God in the everyday beauties of creation or at the end of your life. And so the battle rages for the heart. Who will have the heart? Will it be God or will it be Satan? Think back to the day when you first believe. The day when you by faith accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. A brand new creation in Jesus Christ with a brand new heart. You know, washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are new. As wonderful as this may be, becoming a Christian immediately puts us in Satan's sight. Our new heart, our, new, our pure cleansed heart, immediately becomes a target for Satan. Well, why is that? Well, Satan knows that the pure in heart will see God, and he wants to destroy that. And so it is his goal to contaminate the, pure, the new pure heart. And so we must beware and not allow Satan to contaminate our new clean heart. John 10, verse 10 says, The thief, Satan, does not come except to, dis, to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so the battle rages who will have the heart. Today we live in a world that unashamedly lives out the works of the flesh. And the Bible makes it clear, it says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we have a list of those things in Galatians chapter 5. And they are all very similar to what Jesus talked about. His list that we read earlier. But at the end of that list, it says, I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And you know, as Christians, we would all agree and say that we would never want to do these evil things. However, be on guard. 
Satan will try his best to get these issues of the heart that Jesus talked about into our hearts. And so we must beware. Satan knows the judgments of God on those who practice sin as well as those who take pleasure in them. And so we must be careful with what we allow to come into our minds. We need to be careful with what we feed on, what we feed our minds with. And not even everything labeled Christian is even pure and good for the mind. And 1 Timothy 5.22 reminds us not to share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. And so... How do we maintain a pure heart? How do we protect our hearts from the fiery darts of Satan? You know, people sometimes will go to great lengths. They will travel the country. They'll spend lots of money trying to fix spiritual problems in their lives. These deep heart issues. And I'm not saying... There is never a place for such efforts. But I want to show you a few verses from the Bible that will keep us on top of things spiritually. It's something you can do right at home. You don't have to travel. You don't have to spend money. You just open your Bible and do them. And I want to take you to Philippians chapter 4. We could spend the next couple hours just reading all the places in the Bible that gives us advice on keeping oneself clean and pure. But I like Philippians 4 because it's so practical. It's something we all can do from the youngest to the oldest. Philippians 4, and I will read 4 through 9. But I want to point out verse 7. A phrase that we find in verse 7. It says, Will guard your heart. And that's what we're interested in this morning, a guarded heart. You know, a heart that is guarded. When something is guarded, it's protected. You know, if I would go up to Washington, D.C. today and think in my mind that I'm going to go and knock on the door of the White House, you think think that that could happen? No, it won't happen. I can't even get close to the White House because it's guarded. There's a guard in place. Down in Mexico, you see guards, you know. A bank may have a guard out front. He's got the equipment to protect that bank. That's what we're interested in this morning is a guarded heart because there is a battle raging for our heart And we want our heart guarded. So let's begin reading in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, we could call these verses protection for the feelings and thoughts of the mind. And so here we have a list of things we can do to guard the heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 5, be gentle, be kind. Verse 6, maybe this is for some of us older ones. Be anxious for nothing. You know, be anxious for nothing. And I thought a lot about that because anxiety is something that I deal with. You know, this past week, we had one of those jobs. First of all, it required three schedules. Our schedule, the schedule of the company that we worked for, and the schedule of the man that came to prepare the openings in the building so we could do our work. So we had three schedules. And then we needed four pieces of rental equipment that, need to, that came from two different companies. And then we needed weather to cooperate. We needed everyone to stay well and healthy. And then when we got there, we needed all the rental equipment to work properly. And we needed to, you see, there was many, many things to be anxious about. And Thursday morning, a little glitch came up that looked like it was going to ditch the whole project. But God took care of that too. And so we've done a lot of praying about that project. And that's what God wants us to do. Bring those things to him. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's nothing compared to what I deal with. And it probably ain't. But it's what I had to deal with. And you had to deal with something else that was just as, you know, cause for anxiety. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I believe, I haven't thought this through in great depth and detail, but it would seem that when we are anxious, when we are worked up, when we're, you know, just trying to figure this all out on our own, it actually opens ourselves, we're opening ourselves to Satan's attacks. It's, that's an opportunity for him to slip something into our hearts. And so, be anxious for nothing. We're talking about safeguarding our hearts, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. You 
And then verse 7, and I find it interesting. Here we have peace again, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Period. It completes that thought. But I like verse 8. I like verse 8 because it begins with the word finally. It's like Paul is saying, here is more good things to add to the previous good things that I have just mentioned. In other words, we have an added bonus. We have the, <laughs> the cherry on top, the frosting on the cake. I mean, what he said was good. It will guard your hearts. But here, do this yet. Here is your reinforcement. Finally, brethren. Finally, brethren. Do this yet, and here it is. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That just seals the deal right there. We're talking about a guarded heart. We said earlier that it is God who purifies the heart. We said that it is only God who can change the heart. And while that is true, we have a work to do as well. God has a part and you have a part. And it's only as you work closely together, God and you, that the heart can be made and kept pure. As we walk with God, we learn what God loves. And that's what we love. We learn what God hates, and that's what we hate. You know, this reminded me as I was thinking about this yesterday. In sales... You know, we go out and we talk to a customer and they're interested in some garage doors. And oh my, there's so many options nowadays. So many choices. And they get to looking and they get to thinking and we get to emailing back and forth and it goes on and on. And, and you know, we have found that it's just best to love what they love and hate what they hate. <laughs> Because you can put your two cents worth in, but in the end, we love what they love, and we hate what they hate. And when Chad and Carl and Jamie go out to install the doors, oh, they love what they love. And everybody is happy that way. But think about it. As we walk with God, we learn what God loves. And that's what we love. It's what we do. We learn what God hates, and that's what we hate. And it all works so well. Is it easy? Not necessarily. You see, the Bible tells us that it's through much tribulation that we will enter the kingdom of God. And it also tells us that unless we become like little children, you know, that's the only way to get there too. 
Well, what do we know about little children? Well, they're pure in heart. You know, and they, they're quick to... Sure, we, we see that ornery side, but, you know, when they're, they, they forgive, they say they're sorry, there's so much we can learn from little children. Well, I want to leave you today with 2 Peter 3, 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved brethren, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. There again, we have peace and without spot and blameless together. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to us, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destructions, as they do also the rest of the scripture. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the air of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory with both now and forever. Amen. God's blessings to each of you as you walk with integrity before God. We'll call for some.